Hey, welcome to Church Online. Thanks for clicking in. And for those of you watching from our Traditions venue, thanks for being here. And those of you at the Maple Knoll Cafe, I love that we are here worshiping together. If we haven't met, my name's Brandon. Uh, I've been on staff here at Valley Church for nine years, and uh, we love every minute of it as a family. We love being here. Uh, early on in ministry, though, I remember being part of a team that was making phone calls to pray for people. And it's like nobody was answering their phone. Do you answer your phone when it rings? I mean, voicemail after voicemail after voicemail. And eventually I got, a, I got somebody to pick up. It, it was a very nice lady. Uh, I just started building some small talk with her. I wanted to know how she was doing. I asked her how her family was. And before we hung up, I, I asked if there was anything specific that I could pray for her. And, and she said this, she said, yes. I, I would love it if you would invite God to bless my work. I, I just started a brand new business and, and I told her I would absolutely pray for her this week. And, and uh, I, I, as she started this new business, I said, I want to pray that God will bring you lots and lots of business. What, what do you do so that I can pray specifically? And she said, I sell caskets. I didn't even know how to respond. Am I, am I allowed to pray that her business picks up and that God would bring lots and lots of business? I mean, there was nothing wrong with her prayer request. And I, I was glad to pray in a certain way that God would, would bless this brand new thing that she started. Uh, even saying this out loud is kind of weird. And, and my, my guess would be, that many of us want God to bless the thing we're doing, just like this lady I was, I was talking to on the phone. Like we want to invite God into our lives and, and that's a really, really good thing. But when we look at what's happening in Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter 11, God wants to see these Jewish Christ followers joining what he's doing. You see, Doing the thing that God is blessing is, is much different than inviting God to come and bless the thing that I'm doing. And, and these first century churches, they were still trying to understand what following Jesus was all about. And here in Acts chapter 10 and 11, we see that God is growing his church. He, he, is, he is spreading the church out far and wide. He's moving the church to the ends of the earth. And it started right there in Jerusalem and it was moving out to Judea and Samaria on its way to the ends of the earth because all are invited to, to join what God is doing. Today we're gonna to be in Acts 11. So if you have your Bibles, I would love it if you would flip over there. If you have your flat screens like I do here, click your way to Acts chapter 11. And Pastor Quentin did a fantastic job of getting us to where we are today as he taught through Acts chapter 10, where, where this Roman centurion, and Roman means he wasn't a Jew. He was a Gentile. This, this Roman centurion named Cornelius, he was, he was actually seeking out a relationship with God. And Peter goes to Cornelius' home, he preaches the gospel there, and Cornelius and his entire household get saved. They put their faith in Jesus and the Holy Spirit uh, it falls on his entire household. It's such an amazing story. And, and we're actually going to hear the same kind of story today. You're not going to hear the same sermon, but we're reviewing the same story. It's the same scenario. In Acts chapter 11... Peter is, is retelling or reliving what has just happened as he proclaimed the gospel to this Roman centurion. Now, it's amazing that his whole household, a household of non-Jews, these, these Gentiles, they received the gospel. And, and here in chapter 11, these Jewish Christ followers, uh, as, as Peter made his way back uh, to his hometown, his home church, they're wondering, what are you doing? 
What are you doing crossing these lines of ethnicity to tell people who aren't Jews about Jesus? You see, up to this point, Christianity was entirely Jewish. I mean, Jesus was a Jew, right? His first 12 followers were Jews. The next several thousand new followers, new converts were all Jewish. And eventually the good news spread out to, to these Samaritans, which were half Gentile, but they were still half Jewish. The good news of Jesus Christ at this point has only been for Jews. And so the church there in Jerusalem was like, Peter, what are you doing? What's going on? This Gentile conversion story, it was a big deal. I mean, God had led Peter to show the world that the, the, the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, through his death and his resurrection, that it was for everybody. You see, what we know for sure about God is that God is building bridges. He has been building bridges since Genesis chapter 3 when, when we chose sin over a right relationship with him. Uh, in Acts chapter 10, God is calling Peter to build bridges with him. And because of what God was doing and because of Peter's faithfulness, word got out like crazy. Look at Acts 10 verse 1. The apostles and the brothers and sisters who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. Like word was spreading like wildfire. And this was, this was newsworthy. I mean, think about it. Peter is crossing lines of ethnicity. Uh, there were 613 rules that Jews followed and the Gentiles wouldn't have. So like mixing with people who don't follow your rules, that's dangerous. Uh, Gentiles were uncircumcised. They didn't have the mark that God said the children of God would have. And so like, Try bringing that up in a conversation. They, they were freaking out because he actually ate with these Gentiles. I mean, they were probably like, Peter, let me smell your breath. Is that bacon on your breath? Like, what are you doing eating with Gentiles? But, but not only that, this is, this is the first recording of Gentiles converting to Christianity in the book of Acts. And, and not only that, on top of that, like the Holy Spirit fell upon them. They received the Holy Spirit. This was a big deal. This was different, this was new, and it was certainly newsworthy. So, so word spread like crazy. And when Peter went up to Jerusalem, when he went back to his home church, the circumcision party criticized him. Now, the circumcision party, these are just Jesus-following Jews. These are Christians right there in Jerusalem. And there's, there's opposition. There's opposition within. And it's always easier to criticize somebody than it is really to understand them. It's so important to stay positive under pressure. And I'm talking to you and I'm talking to me because somebody will always be available to bring criticism into anything that we're doing. The circumcision party felt like there were hoops people needed to jump through. I mean, there were things that they just simply didn't understand when it came to telling outsiders about Jesus. And what happened was it seems like they were just embracing their barriers. And the truth is, Building barriers is, is just easier than building bridges. We all build barriers. There are barriers in our lives. Hopefully we can tear those down so that we can build bridges to people who need to hear about Jesus. There's a lot of reasons why we build barriers. And, and I just have four, and I'm sure there's a lot more than four, but, but here's four. Number one, prejudice. There is just prejudice uh, all around us. And it's, it has to do with maybe ethnicity, uh, education, there's prejudice with uh, political views and gender and economics. I mean, it's so easy to let our differences divide us. And don't miss this, okay? This is so incredibly important. The church is not a place and the church is not a people. 
In fact, the church is a group of people, a, a unified body of diversity. We are the church. Uh, you know, it's not just the Jews. It's not just the Gentiles who follow Jesus. Like the church are the people who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That's us. And God has always been working toward gospel unity across every dividing line, male and female, slave and free, weak and strong, rich and poor, Jew and Gentile. We see it coming alive in this passage. And there was an issue with ethnicity here and, and God is showing his church that his grace is for every race. There is strength in this kind of diversity. Diversity is not division. The church needs to be united and there is amazing unity in this kind of diversity. We need each other. Like we are better together. We might go to a church. Uh, I'm trusting that's this right now. This is your church. You might go to a church, but it's important to know that together we are the church. Uh, there is no doubt that we are better together. So we wanna just bust down barriers. Another reason why we build barriers is because of our preferences. You know, one of the things that I love about Valley Church, one of my favorite things is that we major on the majors. Far too many people in far too many churches embrace barriers of personal preferences. You know, the church doesn't exist to please our preferences. We exist to go out into a lost and hurting world and share the person of Jesus with everyone who will listen. And sometimes we can elevate our personal preferences to the level of God's word. We can get so wrapped up in our preferences that it keeps people away from Jesus and it keeps people away from the church. And we've got to knock down barriers that are built around our preferences. We can also build barriers because of our past experiences. Things that we've experienced. I mean, you, you have past experiences. I do, both good and bad. And, and what I know about our past experiences is some of them have had such an incredible impact on us that, that they've caused us to, to build barriers. Sometimes these barriers are so strong and so tall, it's impossible for people to get over or around them. And so I would say, if there's a hurt in your life, if, if there's a measure of hurt that's forcing you or encouraging you to keep people away or you keep yourself at a distance, I just wanna invite you to get the help that you need to find the help that will make you healthy and whole. And, uh, you know, what, what's more important is, is that, that God wants you, he wants all of you, he wants a healthy you. And, and those past experiences of hurt, God hopefully wants to use those to bring help and hope to other people who may have gone through what you've gone through. You know, and there are good things in our lives that sometimes just become fixtures in our lives or, or traditions. You know, like, hey, this is, we've always done it this way. I, I just wanna keep doing it this way. Or, or maybe we're afraid of change or we're suspicious of new things. Don't get me wrong. I have traditions in my life. We have family traditions, traditions that I hope that my kids pass on to their kids. But, but when our past experiences, both good and bad, keep us from engaging the next generation or those experiences keep us from building bridges to people who need to hear about Jesus, we've got to ask ourselves, is, is this an essential of the faith or not? You know, we want to make sure that we're not building barriers with non-essentials. You know, when it comes to our past experiences, we're going to have hurts and we're going to have blind spots. You know, our hurts may 
you know, be pushing other people away while our blind spots, they may have us believing that something that's super important to me but not essential should be important to everybody else. The fourth thing are our principles. Now, I just want to be clear and I want to be cautious as you hear this because biblical principles are extremely important, but it's really dangerous when we put our biblical principles on people who aren't accountable for the same kinds of things. You know, let me put it this way. I've done youth ministry for many years and, you know, there will always be a student that seems to come to me throughout the year and say, you know, I tell all my non-Christian friends to not swear around me because I'm a Christian. And I just engage a little bit. I say, you know, hey, uh, how does that usually go? And they say, well, they usually end up swearing a lot more around me because they know it irritates me. I'm like, yeah, you just need to be a Christian. Don't force people who don't embrace Jesus to be exactly like you. Like, build a bridge. Build a bridge and instead of presenting this barrier to them. You know, we see Jesus in, in John chapter 8. We read this account of a woman who's caught in adultery. And her lifestyle clearly didn't align with biblical principles. This woman was living a life that didn't honor God. It didn't honor her. It didn't honor others. And when you read this story, you don't see Jesus condoning her lifestyle. But he also doesn't throw rocks at her like everybody wanted him to or expected him to do. What Jesus does in that moment is he throws grace, he throws mercy, and he throws truth in her direction. He stands between this crowd of, of angry men with rocks in their hands and where she's standing. And he builds a bridge. The good news is for all, it's for everybody. And here, you know, Peter is trying to share that with the church. Hey, the good news crosses over every line that we think divides us. You know, the church in Jerusalem, it didn't fully understand that. In fact, uh, they were concerned because to them, to them all, Jesus is for all, to them the all meant all Jews, not necessarily all people. And so as this church in Jerusalem is questioning Peter and why he did what he did, he starts explaining himself. Peter began to explain to them step by step. And Pastor Quentin did a great job. And if you really want to know the details of what we're going to do over the next few verses, definitely catch up on his message. But we're going to fly through this. Uh, he says this, I was in the town of Joppa praying and I saw in a trance, like at this point, Peter was hungry. He was so hungry, he fell into a trance. It was, it was lunchtime. And as he was in this trance, an object that resembled a large sheet. Do you know what that means? It resembled a large sheet. It means he doesn't know what he saw. Maybe it was a tablecloth. It had four corners and there's all this, all this food going to be laid down in front of him. It came down being lowered by its four corners from heaven. And it came to me, verse six. When I looked closely and considered it, I saw the four-footed animals of the earth, the wild beasts, the reptiles, and the birds of the sky. Have you ever eaten reptile? It's not really good, but it feels kind of cool to eat reptiles. I remember moving uh, to town. I was with my son. It was just he and I, I needed to come a few days early to get him started in school. And after school, I picked him up. I said, do you want to go get some alligator nuggets? I heard that there's a restaurant that serves alligator nuggets. He says, absolutely, I do. And we get to this restaurant. We sit at our seats and the, the, the hostess came up to me. She said, what, what can I get for you? I said, we need alligator nuggets. And my son's like, what, dad, what, what are alligator nuggets? And I'm just like, 
uh, what part of the alligator are those from? You know, I just wanted to make sure. I had no idea what alligator nuggets were, but the two of us, we wanted to eat these alligator nuggets. Peter sees these and he's like, I'm not sure what to do. Look at verse seven. I, I also heard a voice telling me, get up, Peter, kill and eat. I mean, Peter, he was hungry at this point, so hungry that he fell into this trance. And, and when he had heard this command, Peter was shocked and Peter was offended because some of the animals mentioned were clean, but others were unclean. And according to law, he's just not supposed to eat these. And, and so what did Peter do? Verse eight, no, Lord, I said, for nothing impure or ritually unclean has ever entered my mouth. He says, no, you and I do this all the time, don't we? You know, we, we say no, we just maybe say no in a, in a little more savvy of a way. When, when somebody asks you to do something, you know, we don't say no right away, right? We don't say no, we say, let me pray about it. You know what that means, right? That means I'll tell you no tomorrow. And Peter, he just, he just, he's not so careful. He's very bold. God is speaking to him. And I want you to picture this though. By saying no, he's saying that my religion is more important than my obedience to you. Because at this point, these, these foods are, are clean. Jesus had already made these foods clean. Look at verse nine. But a voice answered him from heaven a second time saying, what God has made clean, you must not call impure. Mark chapter seven, Jesus says that we can eat these foods. Jesus already declared them clean. And this isn't about food at this point. You know, Peter's having this dream, but it's not, it's not about food. This food is an illustration of people, that God is saying people matter. And what you think were unclean people, I want you to know that the gospel is for them. This moment marks a new era in which spiritual barriers had been busted. Barriers that were there previously separating Jews and Gentiles, they're just now eliminated. The gospel is clear that salvation is for all people. All people. People are messy. Jesus, he sees you and he sees me and he says, the gospel's for you. No matter how messy your past is, God loves you. Maybe some of you need to hear that right now. No matter how, how crazy your past has been, no matter what kind of a mess you're in right now, God loves you. God's love is for you. And we get to come to him messy, but we don't stay that way. We come to God messy. He cleans us up. We don't stay that way. In order to effectively share the gospel, don't miss this church. In order to effectively share the gospel, we need to start seeing people the way God sees people. No person is out of bounds when it comes to sharing the gospel. And some of us, we're, we're living with shame in our lives, you know, because of something that has been done to us or some things that we have done. And we feel like our lives are just such a mess. You know, I want you to know that your life isn't too messy for God to come and clean you up. What Jesus did on the cross when he became the sacrifice for sin, like his sacrifice for sin, he did that for you. And you get to put your faith and trust in him by coming to him and saying, God, I believe in you. I, I, I receive your gift of salvation. I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. I believe in the resurrection. Jesus died for the sin of the world. We find a fresh new start. We find a fresh birth in the person of Jesus. And God wanted him to be so clear on what was happening. Look at verse 10. 
Now, this happened three times. This happened three times and every, everything was drawn up again into heaven. God said this three times. This scenario happened once, twice, three times because he just wanted Peter to do it. He wanted Peter to get it. Peter, Peter's thinking, I'm not comfortable with this, e even though I know eating these foods are okay. But God is calling him out three times. Peter, step out of your comfort zone. Step out of your comfort zone. Go eat with those Gentiles. You know, God is building bridges because salvation through Jesus Christ is for everybody. God is using his church to accomplish this mission. You know, he is raising up bridge builders. He's calling us out of our comfort zones. If you're taking notes, I would love it if you'd write that down. You know, God, God is calling Peter out of his comfort zone when it comes to food. But I'm telling you, it's much deeper than that. Look at verses 11 and 12. At that very moment, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea. Remember, Peter's sharing the story with the church. And he's saying, you know, at that very moment, like when I came out of the trance, three men, they had been sent to me from Caesarea. They arrived at the house where they were. Verse 12, the spirit told me to accompany them. I just had to go. God is calling me out of my comfort zone to get going. Do you realize that if you and I, if we stay where we're comfortable, we are never gonna go. You know, these six brothers also accompanied me and, and we went into the man's house. They went to this Roman centurion's house. They just went. You know, some of us sit back and we wonder, yeah, what if it doesn't turn out well? You know, what might happen if I go? Because I'm telling you, I don't need one more thing on my plate. I'm, I'm just a really busy person. I don't need one more complication. What if I go and I don't like it? What if I go and things don't work? I think the greater question is, what won't happen if you say no? If God calls you out to do something and you choose to stay, what, what won't happen? The thing is, it's not that things won't happen. It's just that they won't happen through you. Far too many people are okay with the consequences of saying no to God. You know, Peter's obedience led to lives being transformed. You might be amazed at what God can do with a single act of obedience. Look at verses 13 through 16. He reported to us how he had seen the angel. This is this Roman centurion. He's just telling him everything. He reported to us how he had seen an angel standing in his house and, and saying, hey, go send to Joppa and call for Simon, who is also named Peter. He's like, that's me. He knew my name and we had never met before. He, he will speak a message he will speak a message, the gospel message to you by which you, now don't miss this, and your whole household will be saved. I love this. People are waiting on that message. People are wanting that message. Most just don't know it yet. Everybody wants hope. Everybody longs to have something to hope for. And Jesus offers the greatest hope the world has ever seen. And it's because of this message that his whole household is, is saved. And I think this is interesting. Why doesn't, why doesn't the angel just preach the gospel to him, right? I mean, if this angel comes down and tells this Roman centurion, he says, hey, you know what? I want you to go send these men, go find this guy named Simon. He's also known as Peter because he's gonna tell you a message that is so good that your entire household will be saved. Like, why, why, does, he, why does this angel go through all that effort to not just... Tell him about Jesus. I'll tell you this. It's not about the angel holding secrets back from this guy. The thing that I want you to take away from here is, is how important your role is. How important the role of the church is in proclaiming the gospel. 
God, God wants to use you and I to, to bring hope to those who need it. Not just bring it, but build bridges to those who need hope. You know, Peter gets to be part of this amazing, amazing thing. Look at verse 15 and 16. As I began to speak, and he's like saying, guys, don't miss this. Like as I began to speak, all I was was being obedient. And, and look at what God did. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came down on them just as it did on us at the beginning. Remember Acts chapter two, the Holy Spirit fell on them and there was this like amazing moment where, where they were transformed. The Holy Spirit came down. We call it Pentecost. It is amazing. Look at uh, verse 16. I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He's saying, this is genuine. This is authentic. This isn't me breaking our rules. This is me being obedient to what God is calling me to and building bridges. Peter gets to be part of this because he chose obedience. But God is the one doing the work of transformation. In fact, Peter says in verse 17, if then God gave them the same gift that he also gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, how could I possibly hinder God? You're criticizing me. That's what Peter's saying to, to the circumcision party. You're criticizing me, but how could I possibly hinder God? How could I possibly stand in the way of what God is doing? Peter, Peter is telling everybody. He's like, he's like, I'm not asking God to come and bless my thing. He says, I am joining the thing that God is building and the thing that God is blessing. Peter chose to be obedient and to trust God with the results. You know, don't get me wrong. Uh, that wasn't natural for him. It wasn't easy for him. You can see that this was a big process for him to get through. God had to tell him three times. And Peter, Peter had to step out of his comfort zone. He had to go to a people that, that he didn't traditionally like. He, he, didn't, he didn't just meet with them. Like he sat down, he had a meal with them. He ate with them. And this wasn't socially acceptable. But God was building bridges. God was raising him up as a bridge builder and God was, was building his church. Look at verse 18. When, when they heard this, when they, the church there in Jerusalem, when they heard this, everything that Peter said, they became silent. This conviction set in. They're like, I can't believe we were complaining about this. I can't believe we were criticizing you. They're just silence. And then what did they do? Then they glorified God saying, so then God has given repentance resulting in life even to the Gentiles. There's celebration, a moment of conviction and then a rousing celebration. Everybody ended up glorifying God because God raised up a bridge builder named Peter. And Peter was faithful with what he knew and, and he did what God equipped him to do. You know, they're not glorifying Peter. A hush fell on the group and then an eruption of praise to God. If you're taking notes, I'd love it if you'd write this down. What God was doing in the church then, he's doing in the church now. Like we, we just hear story after story of people who are falling in love with Jesus, who are having tremendous transformation in their lives because of what Jesus is doing here in Des Moines across the globe. You know, God is in the business of building bridges and he's raising up bridge builders. You know, that, that first act of obedience outside of our comfort zone, it's rarely an easy one. We wanna provide opportunity here at Valley Church to take steps toward building bridges. 
you know, and I'm, I'm not here to figure out your calling. I'm not trying to tell you what your calling is, but I do want you to know this. If you're here, God is not done with you. If you're here, God wants to use you. Stepping out of your comfort zone, like it doesn't mean that things are gonna instantly become awkward or uncomfortable. It just means that you're willing to, to sacrifice some measure of comfort. And if we know anything, uh, we know that anything that comes easily and without sacrifice is rarely worth anything. So stepping out of your comfort zone might just mean giving time you didn't think you had. You know, everybody at Valley Church is invited to, to pitch a, a bridge building idea in your passion area. I mean, stepping out of your comfort zone, it might mean just getting off the couch, taking a little bit of a risk and submitting an idea that, that you get the privilege of contributing a couple of hours to Love You Des Moines Days. You know, June is coming and Love You Des Moines Days, they're gonna be here before you know it. June 12th through 20th, it is going to be a phenomenal opportunity for us to engage our community. And I don't know what this looks like for you. Uh, I mean, some of you, you may have a passion for baseball and you just wanna pitch an idea for a, a clinic for kids like three tips for keeping your eye on the ball. I mean, that would be great, a great way to serve kids. Maybe, maybe you collect sports cards and, and you, know, you wanna provide a workshop called Caring for Your Collectibles. I think that would be fantastic. Maybe, maybe you're really into board games and you wanna show up with some of your favorite games and just play games with people for a couple hours. Like that would be fantastic. Maybe, maybe you want to provide an opportunity for people who don't know how to set up their iPad you, like, I know so many people who just haven't figured out how to quite use their iPad. Maybe you just want to run a short workshop. Maybe you're sitting in the community center for a couple hours and anybody who comes up, you just help them set up their iPad. I think that that would be a fantastic ministry. It'd be a, a great way to build bridges with people in our community. Several months ago, you know, we had a, a seminar here for parents uh, centered around learning some technology because our kids are so tech savvy. And I, I taught this workshop and uh, there were so many people. We didn't, I didn't expect to have so many people show up. That was right before, you know, our global pandemic happened. And I was like, we got to do this again. And I think it's going to happen at Love You Des Moines Days. I mean, what better way to build a bridge to our community than to serve them by helping parents learn some things about technology? Uh, I got to get that on the calendar. And, and I hope that we would spread the word and not just come ourselves. We want to bring people from the community to these community bridge events. You know, if, if you can use your passion area of, of gardening, of, of cooking, maybe of running, craft making, do you know like cricket design space? If you've got cricket design space skills, like there are people who need your help, or maybe Zumba. Maybe you just wanna teach kids how to tie their shoes. It's, it's tough. That'd be great if you maybe think about a, a way that you could offer your passion area as a bridge building opportunity to those in our community. You know, there's, there's something we're all passionate about. And if we can provide that, uh, we wanna do that. Uh, here's a few ways that you uh, could step up. Uh, we are looking, it's nine days of loving our community and we're looking for people who would host a block party. If you're interested in hosting a block party, I would love if you would text the word host to 515-644-1021. The block party trailer is, it's been in such high demand. Uh, and now that we are post pandemic, we want to leverage this amazing tool to love your community. Uh, so maybe that's you. Uh, maybe you want to lead 
a community bridge event over Lovey Des Moines days. You want to take your passion area, you want to pitch an idea, text the word LEAD to 515-644-1021. It's the same number. You're just texting a different word. And you're like, you know what? This is my passion area. Somebody will contact you. You say, this is my passion area. What do you think? And maybe, maybe leading uh, one of these Lovey Des Moines Day events is, is a little much. Maybe you're not quite ready for it. I want you to know there's a lot of things happening that we just want to gather volunteers, people who uh, are able to serve and just love our community. Text volunteer to that same number, 515-644-1021. God is, he's a, he's a bridge builder. He has been building bridges of reconciliation since Genesis chapter three. He also wants to raise us up as bridge builders. He wants to, to raise us up because the gospel is for everybody. You and I, we exist to proclaim the gospel to the world. And Love You Des Moines Days is just one of those opportunities for us to, you know, do good works, to, to build some goodwill in hopes that one day you and I will get to share the good news. So church, you've got passion areas. How, how might they be able to be leveraged to build bridges to those who need Jesus? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word, for uh, your continued ministry to us and uh, your desire to bring transformation to others. Help us be obedient with what you have called us to and what you have given us and help us trust you with the results. Hands off. Lord, we love you and we're thankful for today. Amen and amen.